Hey everyone, Anselm here. Uh, just wanted to remind you that the episode you're about to hear was recorded prior to the Oscars and uh, discusses a Best Picture nominee. So you're going to hear some of our predictions and some of our hopes, and you'll know whether or not those predictions were, uh, whether or not those predictions came true, or whether or not our hopes were dashed against the rocks. So uh, it's still going to be fun. So thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Too Much Screen Time. We're going to talk about a highly talked about, highly, contra- I would say it's controversial, but it's 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 definitely got a lot of like, it, it touches upon a lot of controversial topics uh, in a way that is, I think, ultimately like endearing and really brings people into the conversation. But uh, we're, we're talking about Promising Young Woman. Uh, which is a film directed, written and directed by Emerald Fennell. Um, she is the showrunner for the second season of Killing Eve. She's also an actress. You've seen her in uh, The Crown and, and other, you know, uh, projects. And this picture is nominated for uh, Best Picture in the Academy Awards. And it's a part of our series where we're going through and watching and reviewing each of the eight films that are um that were nominated for for best picture and so this film there is so much to talk about so we're just going to go ahead and hop right in i'm just going to give a quick summary about uh, a summary of promising young woman so promising young woman follows cassie played by the wonderful and oscar nominated for her role carrie mulligan who is a 30 year old med school dropout who essentially seeks revenge on quote unquote nice guys who tend to take advantage of women. And after learning about the uh, the, the whereabouts of somebody from her med school days uh, that caused a deep tragedy in her past, she just decides to direct her focus on the people who she believes are responsible for that tragedy and so that's the deepest that we'll get in without getting into spoilers here there's a lot we're we're definitely we're definitely going to talk about spoilers today um because we can't talk about this amazing movie and its commentary on sexual assault culture uh, without getting into some of that but we'll be sure to give you plenty of heads up before we do uh so yeah guys initial thoughts what are your initial reactions to this film uh yeah so i really liked this movie like liked it so so much it's it was a very hard watch for me um and i think for many people are going to find actually the majority of people are going to find this very hard to watch it's um it's tragic you know this is a tragic film um but man is this story so wonderful it's so necessary to be told and um i i loved every bit of it it's um it's a gruesome story about sexual assault and um, and rape and that culture that surrounds that in, in our American society today. And um, I'm so glad that this story is told on the big screen and um, it's been nominated for Best Picture. I feel like um, Carrie Mulligan as Cassie is perfect. She is um, she steals the, the scenes, every scene that she's in. Um, she's wonderful. I love Bo Burnham. I love seeing him in a in a uh, in a role as well uh, on the big screen. He's a hilarious comedian um, that I've been following for quite some time. So it's great seeing him in this role. But uh, yeah, you know, I really really liked this movie. Um, it was 
a tough watch, but um, I couldn't recommend it more. Same. I loved this movie. I think um, for me, I feel like it really gives a story to the tension between a girl wanting to sort of get revenge, harp on uh, what's happened, um, but also I think give forgiveness. I feel like maybe we're, we'll go into those themes later, but I think for me, like watching it back, I've seen it twice now. I see such a different story now. I just see a girl who does want to move on and does want to, I don't know, live her life. But I think we're, we're kind of just seeing the story of someone who doesn't have justice and is kind of becoming a hero for all women and, and getting it herself. Yeah, I think if I could summarize, I think this is definitely a very bold first outing uh, for Emerald Fennell. This is her feature film debut she wrote the script, which is also nominated for Best Screenplay, and she gets a director nomination um, for this film. And, you know, to come out uh, with a film like this is just really awesome. It's really, it's really cool that this film was even able to be made. I mean, there's a lot that we're going to talk about, but I just sat after watching this movie, my wife and I watched it, and we just sat there you know, in silence for a few minutes, there's so much to take in, especially as it winds down. It, it kind of seems like a revenge comedy, but then it like the second half of the movie turns into something else entirely. And it's, it's jaw dropping and it's going to make, it's going to sit with people for a while. People are going to be talking about this movie, um, thinking about this movie and it's going to, it's going to become one of those uh, classics, I think. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that it was terrific. And I look forward to talking about it more with y'all. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that I, I absolutely was blown away by this film. Um, I thought it's funny, like it's we, on IMDb, it's listed as a crime drama thriller. Um, and that's definitely true. But it's also very funny. There are a lot of really comedic moments. Um, I think the funniest part is just seeing a bunch of just like, you know, fragile men, you know, and who are like when they're confronted with their, the kind of the image of, of who they really are, that's where so much of like the comedy uh, in, in it comes from for me, especially uh, <laughs> it's a very funny scene I'll talk about later with the uh, featuring Sam Richardson from Veep. Um, involving a fedora <laughs> and running off crying that uh that I was like just uh you know guffawing at but then it, it turns really quickly and I'm and I'm, I'm gonna talk about another movie that this film reminded me of uh, a little bit later and uh and see what you guys think about it but ultimately I I think this is probably one of the most important films to come out in this Oscar season I think especially with like the topic that it, it, it attempts to tackle uh you know hollywood is still reeling even you know i think three even four years after everything with harvey weinstein and the um the me too movement and and and, and at least this iteration of the me too movement um and i i think a lot of different directors and filmmakers have, have, have tried to have have attempted to like attack this particularly i i think that emerald Fennell has made a movie that probably speaks to me too, but I think just goes even beyond that about the way that our culture and our society um, treats women uh, it, it, in the process of, 
you know, um, responding to sexual assault culture. Um, and I think it's very important. I also say this movie, like I, I always say that like, I hate men and I am a man and I hate men <laughs> because of just like how horrible we are to one another, to other men and then especially to, to women. Um, and this movie definitely, uh, I think, uh, solidified my, my hatred for men <laughs> in a sense, you know what I mean? But like, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of problematic stuff uh, that men have to deal with uh, in our society. And I'm very grateful for a movie that like really, that, that addresses it. Yeah, this movie pulled no punches at all. I kind of got this vibe um, uh, when watching this. It reminded me of Kill Bill. Like, I don't know if you guys kind of got the same same vibe from watching this movie, but it's like this woman who's on this vendetta, you know, or she has this agenda. She's, there's, there's some backstory that you're itching to learn as you go throughout the story. And I was, I could not help but root around the entire time, but you're right. This movie pulls no punches. It just is so hard. Um, because it's so hard to watch as a man because of the, of how accurately it portrays men, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, I don't know, it's scary. It's sad. It's um, traumatizing to, to really see uh, you, like truth come to light on the big screen. And it's kind of like a reflection of, of, um, of our, our culture, you know, like um, promising a woman, the title is based off of um, the headline for uh, Brock Turner, I believe is uh, the um, Stanford swimmer who uh, was uh, accused of sexual assault. And a lot of the headlines were he was a promising young boy or a young man, promising young man. And so that's what this title of the movie is, is promising young woman. It's a play on that. And it really you know, shows a different perspective of um, rape culture and, and sexual assault culture that we have in our world. But um, anyway, love the movie. I, I didn't know that, uh, that reference. So that's really, that's really cool, Alex. Same. So yeah, well, I think that that's, that's great, Alex. And I think that it leads us very well into our next question here. Uh, you know, we, we've been asking of all of these movies, like, is this movie best picture quality? And so I would love to know y'all's thought on that. I, I'll answer my own question first. I think absolutely. Um, I mentioned earlier, that this film reminded me of another film and it reminded me of the film that won best picture last year, Parasite. Um, Parasite is essentially like two films in one, like, and and the, the, the way that Parasite bounces comedy, thriller, um, almost on the border of horror, uh, and, and to see it recognized for that, like I was totally reminded of that while watching, um, while watching Promising Young Woman. It starts out as you think it's one, you think it's one movie, there's a lot of humor to it, um, and then out of nowhere, it takes a very dark turn um, and kind of sustains that, that, that suspense, that, that thriller quality of it for a while. And so I really do feel like, yeah, this, this movie is absolutely best picture quality. And like, I, I think that, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to win. Unfortunately, I think that there are other films that like the Academy is really going to go for. And this is, this is kind of a different movie for the Academy to nominate. And I, and I feel like it really, it, it's, it's, you know, showing a, a possible trend towards a kind of movie that 
I really like and I really hope that the Academy like honors more. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my that's my thought. I, I think it absolutely is best picture quality. Yeah, I definitely think it is. I think Promising Young Woman is not predictable. And I feel like that is so hard to come by these days that I think this, the original story alone, you know, it deserves credit. It deserves credit. Uh, not only that, I feel like all of the social commentary it hits on it. I feel like it, the audience is forced to reflect no matter if you're a woman, if you're a man, everybody knows somebody who's been sexually assaulted, unfortunately. And I think that this forces everyone to say how e man or woman, do I participate in this system? Do I believe people? What do I do about it? Um, even do I forgive people is something that I uh, was asking myself during this movie. So I think all of that alone, that, that should not be overlooked. It's definitely best picture quality. Yeah, this movie is 100% best picture quality. Um, you know, it's such an intelligent film. It's so, so intelligent in how it navigates this really sensitive subject for so many people. But I feel like it does it in such an eye-opening, jaw-dropping, um, uh, storytelling way that is just so magically done. And I, I feel like... Um, uh, you're definitely right that this is not a standard movie that would be nominated, that you would assume be nominated for Best Picture. You know, I heard about this movie uh, kind of early on in the award season, um, like in the actual award season. And that's how I heard about this movie. And so I was like, oh, let me, you know, plop this on. Let me let me see what this is about. And so I'm just so glad that the Academy uh, is recognizing this film in this way, because I think it's going to then propel this story to be shown on so many more screens and so many more people across the world are going to be able to see this movie um, that has been kind of this indie kind of under the radar film. Um, and so I'm just so grateful that it's, it's been nominated for best picture and, um, and all the other, it's been nominated for five Academy Awards. Awesome. I'm so, I'm so grateful for this story, uh, getting that recognition. So definitely recommend um, and believe it's uh, best picture worthy. I'm tired of seeing the Oscars or the Academy overlook a lot of these like really young up and coming directors who are making incredible movies. I mean, the Safdie brothers and what they did with Uncut Gems, like, and the travesty of not having any nominations from that amazing movie or Ari Aster with Midsommar or, you know, the, the biggest tragedy of them all, Trader Schultz with Waves. Um, you know, getting no love at the Oscars. But I mean, even, even the ones who are getting uh, honored, Greta Gerwig, uh, a lot of these directors who are kind of like in their early to mid thirties, who are just, has, just have such unique voices. Um, and how, like, I was, I was frustrated last year about how the Academy is overlooking them. And I feel like this year, it feels like you're almost beginning to make up for that. I mean, even with, with Chloe Zhao, and Nomadland, I, I would say, for example, but, it's, but especially with a movie like this, I mean, I think Ed, uh, Emerald Fennell is like 35 or something like that. Like, I'm really excited about this trend. And, you know, I, I think it's, I, th I it, honestly, it reminds me a lot of kind of like the, like the new Hollywood in the 70s. We had like Martin Scorsese and, um, you know, uh, what's the other guy, Francis Ford Cop uh, Coppola and, Steven Spielberg always got young young folks coming up and like just taking Hollywood by storm like I feel like we're about to see something like that and I'm also excited to see how many women are involved in that too so 
Yeah, I think it was yeah. cool. To, I think it was cool to see like this year, four out of the eight best picture nominees are from Sundance. So four, not you know, and they're not big studio films. These are films that they go to Sundance to be discovered, right? To have someone even know what they are. But you have this. Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari and the Father, all coming out of Sundance. So it's just really cool that you talk about that, Anselm, because there is a lot of great and unique work that's out there. And the, usually it's film festivals like these that discover them. But if we're having a kind of changing of the tide to be able to see um, all of like more indie works come to the forefront, I'm excited. Heck with the studios. <laughs> yeah, you know how I feel about studios. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, um, so yeah, let's let's get a little bit more into the movie. I mean, there there's there's so much to talk about, and I imagine that like most of the conversation surrounding Promising Woman will be dedicated to its commentary to that gut wrenching ending. Um, but even so, I think there's so much to be said about the film's appearance, like how it looks, its direction. So. What do you guys think are some of the formal elements that give this film its unique look and feel? I would say that I noticed the color scheme was so um, Candyland-like, like pastels. There was a lot of shots of candy or coffee or flowers. Or, so almost childlike that I, I actually don't even know what the, if, what the purpose of that was. Um, but yeah, that's something I noticed. Do you guys know? I can share a little bit into that, Shantae. So I was also noticing, because I think her name in one of the scenes, she actually calls herself Candy too. Mm -hmm. So um, the idea, they actually, a lot of people have asked um, Emerald Fennell about that. And she said, in every facet of this film, when it comes to the music, when it comes to the costumes, when it comes to the art direction, the cinematography, it was always this needs to feel safe. It needs to feel fun until it isn't, and that's it. So, you know, with Cassie's, with Cassie's own life, it's like, oh, this is fun, and then it's not freaking fun anymore. So in many ways, like, this story is like an allegory, and it's supposed to just come at you. So that's kind of, like, why she chose the colors and the brightness and the safe kid space, right? Because life can be going really great until it's not. That's so interesting. And I wonder if that also like influenced her decision to cast Bo Burnham in this film, like in this role. Like, I don't know if you guys have followed like Bo Burnham, like seen his Netflix specials, but he's very childish and yet very profound and, and asks like a lot of like, in, like very, very intelligent jokes. And he, he tells a lot of very, very intelligent jokes, but he is like this boyish, like he's so young looking, you know, this like boyish, like he has this boyish energy to him. Like, I wonder if that influenced her casting choice with Bo. For sure. I think we should definitely talk about that um, going into a lot of what her motivation is in like the opening scene and the montage that you're seeing with her picking up these guys and then including Bo Burnham in that. There's a lot of like, it's very intentional. So I can definitely yeah. share and uh, answer. It sounds like he'll, he'll share some of that too, but yes. Very, very intentional. <laughs> I, I, I saw, I was reading up on, on this movie and, um, you know, the director purposely cast guys who had starred in good guy roles 
pre prior to the movie um so like adam brody of course like it's so funny like my initial react like as i'm watching the opening scenes, like oh adam brody it's great to see adam brody again and then like a few minutes later i was like it's not great to see adam brody in, in this in context case, in case you all know <laughs> um, adam brody is like the main character like the boy next door in the famous tv show the oc yeah so. exactly um so so yeah so i think oh exactly, yeah exactly exactly yeah. yep so like if you go down yeah. the list you have um well i guess while we're talking about this and then yeah. go back to you um the other guy is the guy that plays mclovin from mm -hmm. super bad <laughs> yeah so go ahead Ansel. which is funny like i would say that the character from mclovin definitely grows up to be this guy in this movie like I, i've <laughs> i've always i've always seen super bad once and what i can remember the character i'm like i can see that him, this becoming him. yeah these movies um, are set in the same universe you know yeah, so exactly. that is mclovin just 20 years later exactly um but no it's funny but like like all this talk about like the choices like so i'm you know many of y'all know i'm an aspiring filmmaker myself i'm in i'm in grad school for film and uh don't worry i'm not gonna bore you to death with all my movie ideas um but i think it's it's funny like we're learning so much about how like literally every single thing is a choice and i think going going into this movie with that mindset i'm i'm just amazed at how like from the, the framing the the way the camera moves i mean it's funny, like we see a lot of predators, if you will, kind of in this film and the way the camera moves, it's almost predator-like, right? Like the camera will, will focus on, uh, will, 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 will focus on Cassie, for example, and then it'll be just like, you know, a still shot and then slowly it starts pushing in almost like, you know, a predator stalking its prey. And it does that for so many other, you know, characters as well. I mean everything even down to just like the, I love what you were saying, Shantae, about the kind of like, uh, Shantae and, and Dave, about like the colors uh, of it, just kind of like feeling like bubblegum, you know, and the whole the whole candy things like that was amazing to see, even down to the, to the broken heart necklace that like really comes to factor in kind of in, 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 the, in the third act, right? Like all these choices, it makes for a film, I think that is super unique. And it's funny, I, I don't think that like, um, promising young woman is going to win best picture unfortunately uh, I would say it's probably in my top two to win that category but I mean I, I, I think that Emerald Fanon has a great shot at getting best director from based on based on the way that this film looks because there's even just the, the, the music I mean the musical choices this yeah it's just it's just amazing toxic the whole, toxic the toxic <laughs> orchestral <laughs> the, yeah the the uh orchestra playing toxic in like slow motion <laughs> yeah oh my gosh all right so okay so we, we we definitely you know it was good for us to pay homage pay homage to um kind of like the formal elements of this film there's so much more to be said about that seriously go see it um but now we'll start moving into kind of the themes because again this is this is probably what's going to dominate a lot of the conversations about around this film and i want to talk about kind of like the theme by digging a little bit into the opening sequence right this is where we learn about 
what Cassie has been up to ever since she's kind of like returned home from um, from med school, even before we know why she wound up leaving med school, which has a lot to do with what happened to her friend, Nina. Um, we, we see, before we even know about all that, we see um, kind of what she's been up to. And so I'll just give you a, a brief summary of the, open scene, of the opening scene. And then we'll kind of talk about what is Cassie doing? What's her motivation, all that kind of stuff. So the scene opens up. It, this is another part we could have talked about. It's just like, it's neon lights and colors. It almost kind of reminded me of the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, like with all like the kind of like the strobing 80s lights and the, and the music. And we see a bunch of like, just goofy looking quote unquote nice guys with their dress shirts tucked into their khakis, uh, dancing on a dance floor before we cut to these three guys at a bar. And what's so interesting about this opening about about that is that like you know two of the guys are clearly like saying the super misogynistic sex sexist stuff and then you have adam brody and so i was like oh it's good to see adam brody because he was like no guys we can't we can't talk about women that way come on like da, 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 like you know and then all of a sudden their attention gets directed over to cassie carrie mulligan's character who is sitting down alone on this bench obviously drunk out of her mind and they're like just kind of making fun of her, and like the two, the two, you know, tools are making fun of her. And then Adam Brody's like, "Come on, guys, we can't do like, you know, we, someone has to take care of her, right?" And then eventually he kind of shows up and is like, "Hey, like, let me take you home. I, you know, I could, I, we could share a cab or whatever." And then of course it turns into this whole thing where he invites her to his apartment, takes her upstairs, starts kissing her without her consent, and all that kind of stuff, and literally is about to like try to sleep with her when she snaps out of her stupor and out of her uh, drunkenness and is like, hey, I forgot his name, Chad, whatever, I don't know what his name was, but like, hey man, like I'm not drunk, I'm sober and you are about to like do something that goes completely against your, the whole nice guy image that we have seen as the audience and probably that he has seen yeah. of himself. So says, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> and so given all of that, like, like context there, we, we learn that what Cassie has been doing is that she has been, and she has been going out and purposely trying to get picked up by quote unquote, nice guys who are trying to like be the hero and rescue the damsel in distress so that if they take advantage of her, she can, I guess, and this is where the, well, this is what I'm turning over to you. What is she trying to do with this? Is she trying to show them that they are not as nice as they think they are? Is she trying to like have fuel for, for, for blackmail? What do you think is Cassie's motivation in, uh, I guess, trying to get picked up in this way? Um, yeah, you know, the first scene, so uh, it was actually the first scene that Emerald wrote. And um, then she wrote, she based the whole movie off of this one scene, you know, and she, that she had envisioned um, with um, Adam Brody, you know, so that I think that, I don't know, I, th I think it's, it's very, it's a very interesting scene. It's obviously it's from the trailer. Um, and it's the one that kind of hooked me into wanting to watch the movie. Um, you know, I think for, for Cassie's character, it seems like this, uh, uh, it seems like her methods and like what she's doing and like her purpose behind it, it's, it kind of feels like it's her therapy, 
in a way. And I, I think that's something that's that we find out a little bit, you know, later on in the film is like her backstory and like kind of why she's doing what she's doing. But it, it kind of seems to me like she's trying to prove to herself and maybe even um, the, the men that she, I, I think it's more so for her own benefit than it is really for these men. Um, I think it's more for her to kind of like have this therapeutic moment of like, like you're in the wrong, like this is, this is not okay. And, and standing up and I, I don't want to get into spoiler territory because I have more to say on that, but um, that can kind of drive my point home. But um, uh, yeah, you know, with the, with her little book, with the tally marks, some are red, some are blue. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, so are some crazy, of these guys dead? <laughs> so what's crazy about that is that, uh, again, I was looking this up and of course this was on Wikipedia, but it said that like, uh, there was supposed to be a deleted scene where we see Cassie roughed up after one of these encounters. And then she marks the, the, her notebook with a red tally mark. And so when we ever, if we ever look through and you see like a red tally mark, it's be, probably because like, she did this thing and the guy like tried to beat her up or whatever you know which is even like I wish that made it in there because again like it further just drives home this point of like you know and and it further drives home this point of like how important it is to some men to come across as this nice guy but it's really just a it's really a mask for just, I don't know, this, this, this deep sense of entitlement and like, it, 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 it's funny, it's, it's, like, it's a mask for what see, it, they're, they're trying to seem as though, oh, I'm not toxically masculine like those guys over there, I'm different, but it's just a mask for the same exact kind of mentality that leads those kind of like, you know, douchey guys do the same thing, right? So, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's just fascinating. Sorry, if, I don't know if I interrupted you, but like, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think she really is doing it to prove to them that their logic isn't there. Like, I feel like, you know, if you ask a guy, like 99% of guys would say, I'm not a player, I'm not a cheater, I'm not a jerk. And at the bottom of that list, they're definitely not a sexual predator. But I feel like it's kind of like nobody's a thief until they have an opportunity to steal. And then we see if they are or not right most of these guys they're good guys they're helping at first and then they have this opportunity and it's defining and she wait she's patient you know what I mean she gives them that opportunity to change their mind to be a good guy so I think every time she you know I feel like um there's a period of time where you feel like, is she hurting them? Is she being violent? Is she killing them? What is she doing? But every time she just takes the time to communicate to them, to repeat their logic back to them, that you are not a good guy. Did you notice the barbecue or like the burger that she was eating? As she was like, she's, it's like uh, when the construction workers are like whistling at her and like she's walking down the street, but like, it looks like blood is like mm -hmm. coming down her shirt. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about with this movie. It's uh, there are some great and funny moments. I was like, did she just kill McLovin? <laughs> I didn't know what happened. <laughs> was that after McLovin? Or was it? I don't remember. Adam Brody? But it, either or, it right? Was after Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Yeah, I, was like, okay. I was like, did, did she just kill that guy? Yeah. <laughs> What's so like, funny is that like those construction workers are literally like whistling at her, and she just stares them down, and then they like, 
yo, hey, get, sorry about the, like, they, they like tell him her to go away. Like, because yeah, they quickly <sighs> kind of turned hostile too. They're like, you can't right. do a joke. Like they got like really mad, you know? Um, yeah. And she was just standing there just staring at them. Um, so you kind of see their descent. Yeah. Yeah. For all the ladies, let's try that next time. <laughs> exactly. I'm 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 with Shantae on I feel like this like her motivate like it's funny there's a lot I think that she's trying to accomplish I think you know so what we 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 can kind of guess really early on I, this is this might be spoiler territory if you if you're nervous about anything being given away like just kind of fast forward until you stop hearing my voice in about 25 minutes because that's usually how long it takes for me to get my points out but uh just kidding but no um you know we kind of we, we learn that the impetus for a lot of her choices is because is due to her friend nina who was sexually assaulted uh in med school and i imagine that like there's a lot of feeling there's a lot of like wonder from her whenever something bad like that happens to a friend of ours um or someone we, we care about we always have this feeling like what could i have done or what can i do to make sure that someplace doesn't happen to them or to anybody else and i think that for her this is kind of her way of like saying like the the people who did this to her the people who do this to women are like just like shantae said like they're they're probably not like in most cases aren't aiming to harm someone they're just like they have this vision in their mind that they are the star of their own romantic comedy and that in the pursuit of love all of their actions are justified as long as they're not like obviously like beating somebody up or pushing someone around or something like that right and so i feel like for her like to to expose to them like for you to be like first of all one you are not the nice guy that you think you are and two being nice to a woman does not entitle you to her body and i think that like that's something that like every single person every single guy like needs to hear as a boy <laughs> so that like because i think because like you you see so many things like whether it's disney or whether it's like all these rom-coms where these dudes kind of like do borderline stalkerish and like borderline ignoring consent in order to win these women and it works and so i think that like showing to them that like this is like in the real world this is horrifically problematic it perpetuates this culture that a culture that leads to sexual assault um that ultimately leads to the victims carrying the heavier burden of like the assault than the than the than the and the perpetrator because they are a promising young man you know to, to alex's point earlier about brock turner so i mean i there's there's so much that i feel like is motivating her actions and i'm i'm wondering do you think that the film shows her as successful at accomplishing her goals in in in, in this in this particular regard because i think I don't know if we mentioned this before, but like this film kind of has two stories. Like I, th I think, you know, we talked about when I talked about Parasite and it's, it's ties to Parasite. Parasite's kind of like two movies in one. And I feel like this is like, there's two narratives that kind of like interweave itself here. But in this particular part where she's like picking up the guys, like, do you think that she's ultimately successful in her goals? You know, I want her to be, um, trying not to get into spoiler territory here, but I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think 
Um, while I, I do think her motive was to expose them to themselves, I think it ended up being probably more therapeutic for her. We don't get to see these guys kind of have like a reckoning moment or, or a moment. We don't get to see them in the future to see. If anything, most of the response I saw was fear. They might change their actions because they're afraid, but not because I don't think it's because they saw, wow, I'm not a good guy or wow, I'm a predator. I think it's just more of a, wow, I don't want to get caught again. Um, I don't think I see a lot of remorse from any, any guy in this movie, really. Well, any guy that she's, you know, gone to pick up. All I kept asking myself is how big is this town? Because she's been doing this for <laughs> how many years? Because you saw how thick that little black book of tally marks is. And I'm like, She's going to the same club every week. And I guess we do hear like, cause it starts to get around that someone's like, wait, Jerry told me about you. You're that woman that blah, 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 blah. Right. But I'm like, she has to be running out of people at this point. <laughs> there can't be that many uh, nice guys left. <laughs> I, I tend to side with Shantae. Like, I feel like this is more, it, it serves the purpose of like helping her feel like she's doing something, um, which is important. I think giving people giving women the feeling of, of, of agency and power in a society that's constantly like trying to take it away from them is I think extremely important. Um, as far as like showing guys the mirror so that they can like change, uh, like Michael Jackson saying once, uh, <laughs> I don't think it was successful, but uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think this film has a lot to say about how the concept of quote unquote nice guys uh, can contribute to and even perpetuate a culture of sexual assault. Um, but where I, where, what I find so fascinating about this film is that it goes a step further, almost even to implicating women in this process too. Um, you know, there, there are definitely some women characters that we see uh, in this film who may or may not contribute to this. So what do you feel like the film's handling of some of its female characters um, says about the role that women can play in justifying sexual assault against other women. I think what we see here with the women who do contribute are they're either in a system of power, meaning like they have authority, or they're a friend. And in both instances, they're not believed. And I think that um, that's powerful. I think we, we hear that all the time in society. Uh, women just are not believed. What well, men are believed over women all the time. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's uh, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but really the burden of proof is on women. And it's usually he said, she said, where does that usually go to whatever he said? Um, so I think that, you know, it's sobering to know that you would think, you know, as a woman that it, you, you want to believe that all women have your back, but we can see that that is, I think that society has really trained us to give men the benefit of the doubt. And that has not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily change just because you're a woman, you know what I mean? Yeah, Shantae, and, and to be clear, like, so, for for the listener here um you know i mentioned at the top that like the plot kind of takes a turn when um 
when Cassie kind of learns of how learns of how certain people that she met in in med school how their careers are turning out and some of these people are like directly involved or directly or indirectly involved with what happened to her friend Nina and so upon learning this she kind of goes on uh a, a new uh mission if you will to kind of enact revenge or to force the people who were kind of responsible um for not who were responsible for the sexual assault that her friend experienced and also responsible for like the guy who committed the assault getting off or like getting you know getting away with it if you will um she kind of goes back and kind of forces a reckoning with them and two of these characters are women and one of them was a friend uh, uh, uh from their group who when cassie and nina approached her to tell her what had happened she kind of didn't believe them and she kind of laughed it off and even and even years later when there's this uh kind of this, this meeting again she's still even trying to just kind of explain it away and this is a woman who's also like i think she's accepted the traditional role that is typically given to uh, women in our society which is completely fine like I'm not saying that that's wrong but like she's married and has two children two children that she's raising and so it's interesting how like here was a potential ally and she didn't believe them and kind of laughed it off the other woman was uh the dean of the med school and is the still the current dean of the med school who like by this point had had, had at least apparently completely even forgotten about the events that had taken place um, in the med school years earlier when uh, you know Nina approached um, approached the dean for um, if, sorry when Nina approached the dean uh, to uh, accuse the, the 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 people who were involved in her assault and it's just crazy how even years later the dean is dismissive she's like we need to give this guy a chance like the whole trip about like well you know sometimes people regret the choices that they make when they realize the danger that puts themselves in like and so maybe she shouldn't have drank that as much or blah 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 it just turns a lot to the to victim blaming blaming and so i think that's kind of something that shantae was mentioning here and i think for me it was just it's just very interesting how like this this concept of power and how like in a society where that is very like patriarchal and where there are so few positions for women to have power, to have like agency. Like it's almost one of those things where it's like in order to protect that power that you're given, you kind of have to like overlook some of the, the horrible system, system, systemic things that like impact the people who like you can potentially represent. And I feel like that's, I definitely see that in the Dean's, in the scene with the Dean and, you know, potentially even with like, with uh, Allison Bree's character. Yeah, I felt like the scene with the Dean was, was very crucial. And, and I thought, I thought it was a really interesting choice to have the Dean be a female because a lot of the dialogue that the Dean says, um, often you hear from men. You know, often you hear from men in power and, and, and men in positions to make change. And 
to hear it come from uh, who's that? Connie, I think Connie Britton was that actress. Yeah, Connie Britton. Yep. Yeah. Um, Another person that. Yeah, who plays, the... she's a sweetheart, right? Exactly. We love her in yeah. all her other roles. She's a sweetheart. Exactly. And yet to see her in this role, um, saying a lot of the things that you hear from men, like, um, oh, innocent until proven guilty. Well, we have to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, like we can't just ruin a young man's life based off of accusations, you know, just kind of stuff like that, that you typically hear from men to have it come from, uh, from Connie, I think was really shocking in a way. Um, it added to the shock factor and to the importance and significance of this scene. Um, uh, just like Shantae said, you know, it's like we have, uh, I don't think anyone is safe in this movie. You know, we have we have uh, victims, we have predators, we have um, victim blamers, and um, I don't know, we have innocent bystanders who are not really innocent. And I think um, this scene was particularly uh, just really important. I think we're we're probably going to start talking heavily about spoilers from this point on. Um, I, you may not mind that, and if if, if so, then definitely you know. Uh, continue on but if you really want to experience this film I would I would go find it uh, rent it for six dollars on YouTube or Vudu or uh, Amazon and then come back and listen to the rest of this but yeah so Ryan right um, Ryan is somebody who Cassie went to school with at, at med school years earlier uh, he walks into the, the cafe that she where she works on a random day and they kind of spark up a conversation and start like seeing each other. And with all of the kind of fake nice guys that we see out there, Ryan definitely seems to be the real deal. He respects her boundaries. He um, respects that she needs to, wants to take it slowly. He is extremely charming and endearing and hilarious. Um, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. And, and I think that like also given where his character art goes in the film i also think he's probably one of the best weapons that em emerald Fennell wields to make the commentary that she's trying to make here so for my question for y'all is how does someone like ryan fit into this conversation about sexual assault and deniability so uh i guess ryan you, you know kind of speaking to the you know where his character art goes you know towards the end uh basically uh, Alison Brie comes to Cassie with the video um, with the actual like sexual assault video on Nina that was recorded several years earlier. And, um, and so basically, you know, Ryan was unaware of this and uh, Cassie presents Ryan with this video and um, you very, very quickly, very quickly see Ryan's descent um, from good guy to, he plays all the roles in this conversation. He plays uh, like, oh, I didn't do anything, right? And um, he he then goes to uh, anger, you know, like, wow, like, you're gonna, I can't have this hang over my head my entire life. Like, what are you going to do with this? And, you know, all this stuff and, um, and uh, just all the shades in between, you know, he tells her, I love you. Like, please don't do this to me. Like, don't ruin my career, kind of stuff like that. And so, I don't know, I, I think the whole movie, he is this like really charming, really lovable guy. And then very quickly, just because of, um, you know, what this video evidence shows, it very, you know, quickly shows him to be, um, to be not so great, you know, to, to be a, an instigator, to be someone who um, is uh, not innocent, 
you know, and, and who was a quote unquote innocent bystander, but is very much to blame. And, um, and yeah, I think it's, it's a very, uh, uh, heartbreaking scene because me honestly I was pulling for him I was like hey we actually might get one good guy um, throughout this entire movie and you hear his voice in the video and you're like oh come on man and um, it's a heartbreaking scene for sure yeah there's a, a wonderful montage of like them happy and it's like two minutes long where they're um, all lovey-dovey and singing Paris Hilton in a pharmacy and I look at my phone and I'm like there's still 45 minutes left exactly I was like same here I was like this is not gonna end well I was yeah and, <laughs> and to his um I guess not to his credit the guy gets so many chances for redemption right he has so many opportunities to be able to be on the right side of horrible mistakes that he he made um and met in med school with the video that you're talking about but time and time again he chooses himself and his i guess what he's created in him, his own like identity over doing the right thing and like keeping everything close to the the chest and that's why you see those um you know whole ray of emotions <laughs> that he ends up basically calling her a, a fail like a freaking failure as she walks out the door and man it was I guess it was it was heartbreaking but i guess i a question that i want to pose to you all is why did he i mean we clearly see the intentionality of him getting several chances up until the very end of the movie to like do the right thing but like why doesn't he that's kind of what i want to really hone in on too if if someone wants to talk about that a little bit i just feel like because these men don't change <laughs> like i'm <laughs> telling you none of these boys ever come back and just realize you know they never have that moment and that's a good question why don't they I mean in real life why don't they let's stop talking about the movie like what is going on so I feel like probably because it's realistic like the the lack of accountability in actions I, I feel like is astounded so probably just because honestly I feel like the movie I really thought we were headed towards a romantic comedy type situation I, I was actually going to be frustrated if the narrative became all she needed was this great guy to save her and now you know she's better and she you know look at all the hope and her family's doing better and all this stuff only to find out she can't trust nobody so I feel like probably because it's real wait so Shantae you didn't want that happy ending well I didn't want him I wanted her to get there on her own I didn't want to be mm. I didn't want it to be like she got a boyfriend and now she's better you know what I'm saying right. gotcha right <laughs> but I also agree with you like you know I this movie is definitely not about men men saving women like it's about you know like it's about women taking back their their agency and, 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 and their power to some extent, or at least one woman's journey to do that. So my last question for y'all tonight, it's an interesting question, um, but uh, is Cassie Jesus? I mean, let, let's, 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 let's break this down a little bit, right? Like before the big finale um, in which, you know, Cassie finally gets her confrontation with Al Monroe 
um, at his bachelor's bachelor's party. She shows up as a stripper that one of the guys probably may have hired, we but obviously didn't. She handcuffs him to the bed, and she decides that be, like his punishment for like Nina's identity and and also and again it's, it's also important to to note that like ultimately what happened to Nina we've been tiptoeing around it, is that I believe that she committed suicide after um, <clears throat> after her case was was dropped and. Al was, I guess, let um, was let off the hook for his uh, assault. Uh, she went home, and and Cassie essentially took care of her until she ultimately took her life. And so, when Cassie finally gets this confrontation with Al, she talks about how, like, when and and this is also a very important comment to make that when a woman is sexually assaulted, it's no longer about her as a human being; it's all about what the man did to her. That's what she. That's what she becomes known for, and so her way of kind of the, the penance that Al that Alan needs to pay is that it, rather than his actions erasing Nina's name, she is now going to carve Nina's name into his flesh. Very inglorious bastards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He breaks free from the handcuffs, and then winds up uh, smothering her to death. So Cassie dies and this jaw dropped. I'm sure in the theater, there would have been complete silence or rage. I don't know. Can I actually yeah, go for it, Dave. On that for a second? Yeah, please. So they did some pre-screenings like, you know, a lot of films do with an audience to, and um, Emerald was sitting in the back of the theater. And when that scene happens, complete strangers just started one got up and was absolutely furious that that had happened another one and then another one got up and basically told them they can leave if they want to and they got into an actual fight over the controversy of how they viewed that scene so wow. she's like i expected a reaction but i did not expect so much controversy so it would be interested um to know like what people actually thought of that scene right like yeah so just wanted to kind of share that little anecdote, um, yeah. how, how strong of a scene that was and the reaction that it got. Yeah. Well, I mentioned that, and again, I mentioned it in the context of like, is Cassie Jesus? Because there are definitely like shots where I feel like she is set up to be viewed as this kind of supernatural spiritual figure, right? Like there's this fixture on the wall in the cafe where she works, where like, she stands in front of it in a way to where she looks almost like a painting of, you know, the Virgin Mary, right? Um, and she literally absolves someone's sin, um, or like, you know, later on in the film. And so, but even just her process of like, she is willing to put herself into harm's way by picking up these dudes and, and, and challenging them to see them for the monsters that they are so that other women don't have to be the ones to do that and ultimately it leads to her dying for this cause like so is cassie jesus what do y'all think <laughs> i don't know you know it's a it's a great question I, I don't think i would say that cassie is jesus per se but i think that she definitely i agree i think that she definitely represents this uh angel type saint uh, throughout the movie 
And uh, we see it in like multiple images, uh, a lot of scenes where she's like front and center in the camera, um, uh, you know, like Wes Anderson style. And then like behind her, there are like uh, wings or like a halo. You know, I think that there's definitely scenes where we are, I think that she is the saint, this angel. However, I think she's a martyr. I don't think she's like necessarily like the embodiment of Jesus because, I mean, as we know, Jesus like willingly, you know, went there and knew he was going to die. And like, obviously uh, Cassie's death was a complete shock. Um, I'm sure she wasn't expecting to be killed. Um, she did have kind of like, I guess, would you call it a fail safe uh, at the end where the video gets released like anyways? A contingency plan. A contingency yeah, which is plan interesting. Sure. So, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so she had this contingency plan uh, kind of set in motion. I don't know if she was expecting to die, though. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think she was I, expecting to die? No, I don't think she was expected to die. I think that she's a woman, and the, like she doesn't know what she's going to expect when she walks into a house full of, like, nine men, right? And I think that that's just, like, a real, like, this isn't a fantasy is if for the sake of, like, oh, she's going to go in there kill bill style she knows martial arts and she's just gonna like slay nine of them right and that's gonna be <laughs> the end of the movie um she is going in there with her mission and something goes wrong in this case the handcuff that she strapped him to the bed is not like i guess powerful enough for his grip and then he just overpowers her i think that like that wasn't intended, but like, that is like a real life thing that could happen if in this, in this situation where like, if she would get into a confrontation with this fully grown man, he very well could overpower and kill her. Yeah, I saw um, an interview with the director. Well, well, first off, let me say, I don't think she, she wanted to die or she knew she would die. And the second time around, I caught exactly what the note said. I think the first time when I saw it in theaters, I didn't read it in time. But the note to the lawyer said, in the event that I go missing. So it was a it was a contingency plan. But with the director, she said that as much as she wanted this revenge ending, this satisfying, she got them, it's over, she could go on with her life ending. She knew a woman going into this situation, uh, she would most likely not survive. She knows that this is a deadly thing. Um, she knew she would be hurt. And she said that Cassie would know that too. And there were little Easter eggs that I totally didn't see in the movie, but she said, if you go back, sometimes there are bruises on Cassie's body that are just supposed to be there to show that some of these encounters are violent, like one of you had mentioned earlier. So I think, I don't think she planned on it, but yeah, definitely a martyr in that she knows um, I'm willing to die for this because let's face it, confronting men with their mistakes can be lethal. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, exactly, Shantae. I feel like, and it's funny, like I, I also read something that where like the director wanted the film to end there with her dying. And of course we mentioned this contingency plan. Essentially she, had pre-scheduled text messages uh, to go out to certain individuals, um, you know, with and had sent the tape of the video to the lawyer, who this is the one who she absolved, if you will, of his sins and of his crimes and how he had helped Al Monroe get off in the first place. 
Um, but like she definitely went in there understanding that she could die. And so for me, it was like, that, like you know, is she Jesus? That's kind of a provocative question. But like, you know, I think, is she a Christ figure? Is she a martyr? I mean, even down to the fact that when she like, when she dies, she's kind of laid out in like the crucifix, the cruciform, like, you know, pose. Like, oh, I, I, I think absolutely. Because I think, unfortunately, it's like the women, like this, the, the women of Me Too, like in this current iteration, in its original iteration in the 90s, uh, you know, like the, the, the women are, they're martyrs. They know co that coming forward, like there's the potential that they can reveal all this and they will receive the ire and the backlash as is the case in many cases. I mean, these women get run through the ringer for trying to speak up about what other men do to them and are like our society's martyrs in many ways. And so uh i i think that like in that regard like right like i think the story i feel like the story had to end the way that it did in order for it to make the punch that that it needed to and i'm grateful for like this i'm grateful that ultimately she was pushed to write or uh, emerald was pushed to to write this kind of redemptive arc where the ultimate plan was still followed through Al Monroe will pay for his crimes, all of them, right? And <clears throat> all of these men will be shown for the frauds that they are. And in that way, talk about, Jesus did the same thing. Talk about Savage getting arrested on your wedding day. <laughs> right yes. after. Yeah. And not only like for the rape of Nina, but now murder, right? Yeah. Now, so it's yeah they're gone for life and you see the uh max greenfield and his character just like runs away like a completely just fails <laughs> on his friends yo let me tell you my favorite i had to like the one scene that i had i rewound to watch again was when she shows up at the door for the bachelor party and like the door opens like there was mute there's a tense music she gets to the door there's a the, the, the drum, doom, doom, doom. The door opens, silence except for the noise. It's inside of the, the men screaming and, 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 and you know, rabid, raving around. And then the stare, the open mouth glare that like Max Greenfield gives to her. We, we only see her back. We see her his face. That was so utterly terrifying and amazing. I had to run it. I was like, yo this is a master like <laughs> master working with like what you know putting together this this movie it, it was it was it was crazy so i think that's it. i mean it's very clear guys that we all really went for this movie um you know we really hope that you get a chance to watch this um that you join the conversation like uh, start a conversation with the people around you about uh, rape culture, about nice guys, about how we all kind of perpetuate this. I mean, I think that's the power of of film. That's the power of TV is that it can inspire us to kind of have the conversations we need to, to really become better people and more empathetic people. And so uh, definitely go check out Promising a Woman. It might be, especially because of the Oscars, it might be available in theaters that are open and uh, check it out. 
Thank you for listening to Too Much Screen Time. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at tmscreentime or email us at tmscreentime at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So in the meantime, keep watching those screens.